0: Film. Welcome to the Film to Film Podcast. My name is James. I am joined here by Inyaki and Linero. How are you doing, Inyaki?
1: Doing pretty well. How about you? Uh
0: not so bad. Not so bad. You've been watching anything interesting?
1: Um, you know, I watched uh last week I watched Algiers. Just like this old ass movie about um you know, like some criminal hiding in, hiding in a place, and police being completely useless.
0: Was the place the Algiers?
1: No, I mean the the, the it was in uh, shit. I forgot the now not the name of the. It's like within a district uh, is in a district within Algiers. Oh, okay, gotcha. So it's like the like kind of like the red light the red light district, but I mean it's like it's just extremely dense. Now, you should watch this movie actually because uh, the entire plot is like. This criminal, like everyone knows where he's at, but they cannot get him out of that area because it has like nooks and crannies and you can actually escape through this, through the rooftops and, and everything like in this really tight knit, like district. So, uh, no, I actually recommend the movie, uh, even though it's old as fuck. It's, uh, yeah.
0: Is it 1930s, 1940s? 30s. 30s. Wow. 30s. Okay. Yeah, but it you know, holds up. So, yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, it's an unusual watch for you. Uh, yeah, I, I have been watching, uh, getting more in touch with the uh, martial arts stuff. So, I've been seeing some uh, Taiwanese martial arts things. Saw a touch of Zen, um, which is very different from these sorts of films. But I'm excited to be talking about some more Italian genre films, uh, some giallo films. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's get into it. Um, so we're going to start us off, uh, as we usually do with, uh, a synopsis, uh, the film we were talking about, of course, I, I don't know if I've said it yet. Don't nope. torture a duckling. Uh, a very interesting title, a very different title. Um, also just generally good advice. Um, and so the synopsis, uh, and, uh, you tell me what you think of this, a reporter and a young woman investigate a series of child murder, child murders in a remote town. Accurate inaccurate
1: um i mean it is accurate in like if if we're talking about just the story or the plot of the movie you could say it's accurate but in the spirit of the movie no completely inaccurate or at least misleading
0: I, i yeah i'd say that accurately describes the last like 25 minutes uh but (laughs) this is a interesting film and the structure of it's quite interesting just because it's not really central character. So to say it's a reporter, a young woman investigating it is not necessarily, it's a little misleading um, because they're not necessarily the central driving forces behind the investigation for uh, most of the uh, runtime. Yeah. In fact,
1: I I don't, I I feel like this is one of those films where uh, you don't really have a main character. I mean I mean you could say the journalist is probably the closest you have of a main character but even then not so much
0: right yeah I mean he's even gone from like probably like the middle half of the movie um, and he comes back at the end and sort of drives the final plot forward uh, but yeah I mean I would say I would totally agree with you that there's not really like a central protagonist um in fact uh the lead investigator seems like he's He's the lead investigator of the movie for for most of the runtime, at least the the middle part part of it. When we have a bunch of red herrings and all that stuff going on. Um, all right. Well, what was your uh, general impression of the film? Um, I actually really liked it. I thought it, it was a very,
1: um, I mean, as a mystery movie or as a giallo, you know, it, it definitely keeps you w- wondering who the killer is, and uh, and beyond the red herrings. Uh I feel like I mean, to in today's age, you will see it coming more than probably people in the seventies uh but you know like to to figure out who the killer is um besides that, I think this is the kind of movie where you know it, it is extremely critical about the social norms and our expectations. And uh, I was very surprised about that.
0: Yeah, there's, there's real social commentary in this for sure. Um, And I think that's, that's one of the reasons I wanted to highlight this. I mean, I think this is stands out as a fairly different jello in a lot of ways. I mean, the rural setting is one, and I think you're correct about the rest of it. This is not just like a uh, black glove killer, uh, trying to, you know killing people uh in sort of like a titling way for for amusement it's it's more um it has some real stuff to say uh about like sort of uh society rural society uh religion superstition uh it was also a hugely controversial film at the time uh People thought of it as being very anti-Catholic. And uh, this is a spoiler-filled episode, just so you know, um, which is, uh, you know, I I don't know if that's totally fair, but uh, it does have uh, the ultimate killer being the Catholic priest. So I guess I can see uh, why they would get uh, so annoyed at that. But I do feel like there's more social commentary to this other than um, Catholic uh, being bad.
1: I mean, I think this movie, more than being anti-Catholic... Uh, Is more anti-cult-like belief of anything. So, you know, in in all reality, I mean, in all terms and purposes, I mean, all religions are are a form of cult. In in other languages, in fact, like practicing Catholicism is practicing your cult, you know, uh, traditions or whatnot. But, uh, but I'm digressing there the the thing about this is more about how in this town um, people are going to be so, like, they believe so much in their relig- religious view on the Catholic views, that when they feel threatened, you know, you have all these kids being murdered, right, they will go and brutally kill, like, uh, an innocent person because she is a witch, quote-unquote, right, uh, mm-hmm. And no one will suspect the Catholic priest when... So it's more about like, just not following... Like It's more of a criticism of society that follows blindly a religion or a point of view. More than a criticism right. of Catholicism itself.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you. Um, it, It's more... Yeah, yeah. But we have a lot of time to get into this. Um, This film is pretty rich with themes and stuff like that. So I'm glad you liked the movie. Uh, This is my second time viewing the film. Uh, The first time I liked it. Uh, The second time I think I liked it even more. Um, I think I I was just able, knowing the priest is the killer, um, it just allowed me to just pick up on a lot more details and stuff uh, inherent in the plot and just uh, focus on more of the themes and stuff. You look like you're about to say something.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say. uh, Did you pick this movie to be recorded in Good Friday on purpose?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I did not. No, I did not.
1: (laughs) Uh, All right, because yeah, I'll be thinking about this movie uh, while uh, searching for you know my chocolate eggs in uh, Easter.
0: (laughs) Well, how appropriate.
1: (laughs) Also, I mean, I'll throw in that, that joke later. My, my lame joke, I'll throw it in later when we go more
0: into that. All right. Well, well. if you are just listening for the first time, don't tune out until Anyaki tells his lame joke halfway through this podcast. Exactly. Uh, so something for us all to look forward to. Okay. So <laughs> a couple points about this film. This film was very successful in Italy, but because of its controversial uh, views, it, it didn't get as super wide release. I don't think it was released in America or in uh too much of the rest of Europe. It grossed a billion lira, which is pretty successful. Um, And this is directed by the uh, Lucio Fulci, um, who is definitely one of the most famous directors that uh, also did Giallo films. Um, Him, as well as uh, Martino, Bava, and Argento um, are kind of like the big four of the directors. So we've already seen films from the the other three. So he's the fourth, um, so uh, good to round it out. Um, He's actually most well-known. Uh, for um, the uh, for some films later on in his career, uh, called the Gates of Hell trilogy, mm-hmm. and uh, Zombie Two, which is the an unofficial sequel to Dawn of the Dead, unofficial and unauthorized. Uh, both Argento, who produced and Romero, who directed, were pretty unhappy <laughs> that they made that film. Right? Isn't it, um,
1: isn't it because? Uh... Zom like uh, Dawn of the Dead was actually translated into Zombie in Italy, or like that. That was the title of that film in Italy, and they had exactly the the bad practice of just calling anything two.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it's two, and it's spelled without the e. So Z O B M I two. Oh, perfect! Is the it. So it's super, somehow they they managed to make that super Italian. Um, And, you know, uh, he's, uh, a lot of his films he's most famous for really don't have a huge structure to it. Uh, They're more about atmosphere um, and uh, less about the story. Um, So it's interesting to see him uh, work within more of the confines of like a real narrative and structure, uh, like a giallo film here. Um, He's done a number of giallo films. They tend to be like more of the second most famous films that he's, uh, known for rather than like the zombie and the gates of hell stuff. Um, and, uh, he has sort of a, uh, he's always had sort of a love, hate, uh, stuff with Argento. He said some very amusing negative stuff about Argento about he's, uh, he's a technician that's trying to be an artist and stuff like that. Uh, but, uh, but eventually, uh, they became close enough that Argento actually paid for his funeral. So they, uh, they, uh, in later life, they became closer. So he, I'm like, um, Unlike Argento, but similar to Sergio Martino and Bava, he jumped around a lot of genres. He did some Westerns. He did, some Polizio, he did one Polizio Teschi, that's like one of the most violent ones. And he's really known more, most for his horror films. Um, and uh, he has a particular reputation for just being a very, very graphic uh, filmmaker uh, called Godfather of Gore. I don't think you'd actually know that from this film other than a couple scenes. There's a couple scenes that are pretty graphic um but this is actually relatively restrained as far as he goes and we will be talking about those couple of scenes uh there are two that immediately come to mind uh, for this film um <laughs> uh so yeah let's uh let's uh get into it um all right well uh i think one of the things that first stands out to me um and it's just most obvious about this film, is it's just a very rural film. Uh, The Mm. setting of this is very unique and very different from other Giallo films. Uh, I think everything we've watched so far is in some sort of urban setting. So um, uh, Rome, uh, first and foremost, but we've we've gone around Europe a little bit, uh, but they've almost all been urban. Um, And this film takes place in a rural village in southern Italy, um, where a highway goes through. And I think it takes great advantage of that. I love sort of like the all-white um, buildings. reminded me a lot of my time in southern Spain. I've uh, mm. not been to Italy, so I haven't seen that, but I imagine the aesthetic might be a little similar. Um, what were your thoughts on it, the setting?
1: Yeah, no, uh, I, I thought it was fascinating. and I, I do like how you have that highway. So the, the reason being that if you took out the highway, um, it, the area was so rural that it felt like it was from a different time. Like, it didn't feel like the 70s, right? Like it. it, it I mean, you had cars showing up here and there, but if you took out the cars, you took out the highway, uh, it, it would feel like, uh, you know, early 1900s era or like late 1800s. I mean, it was just rural, rural, rural. I mean, these are like folks that are not connected at all with, like, with um, modern society, if you will. And having the highway and having, you know, those few elements like, of, you know, the modern, like, the 70s made it, you could definitely feel the, uh, the juxtaposition, if you will, of, you know, this both rural and modern cultures, if you will. You Yeah. and and I think that adds that that actually the setting adds to the plot a lot. And it adds to the theme we mentioned already, which is this criticism.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, in this great setting, I mean, all of the uh, stuff outside, it feels like super wide open. And yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. It's like, there's no hints, there's only really two hints of uh, modernity there. And the most obvious one is the highway. The second one I was going to mention is the one house of the rich person who uh, who moved away and built that there, oh, which that's is true. which is kind of interesting to see because it's like almost feels like it's in another movie. Like almost feels like it's like a house from Milan or Rome uh, that was built uh, recently and just like transported to this really strange setting. So it's funny to see that.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I completely agree. One. Uh, when... Other thing about the setting that I thought was interesting and it's both setting and sound design is that even in those, uh, you know, very large landscape shots, you always had noise, either noise of like some, you know, people chanting either religious stuff or whatever in the background or children playing or if not then you know the wilderness sounds of you know birds chirping and whatnot but there was always some noise around even though you saw all these clear landscapes um and i thought that was that was interesting because it gave it gave a dissonance right of you know this beautiful landscape and area but it's still sort of drowned out a little bit by the noise by the sounds around mm-hmm.
0: it. Right, you know, I think you're right on I have sound designed on my uh outline too on something to talk about. Uh for me the sound design, the scenes I always remember are when they go into the interiors and they have they film the interiors really interesting because they're very different. All the outside scenes they feel like they're generally during the day they're very brightly lit. Uh you see everything very clearly. Um, but the interiors they're almost like claustrophobic, they're old uh janky buildings. And one thing that I thought was interesting is even in like the police interrogations and stuff like that, uh, you can just hear people outside, uh, and you just hear the villagers while they're talking and stuff like that. And, uh, and it just really transports you to this place where, uh, there's like just a lot of atmosphere. You feel the atmosphere of the locals, um, surrounding there and you feel their fear. They are paying a lot of attention to this because they are afraid. Um, Yeah and uh i think it captures that super well um just in uh especially in the sound design
1: yeah i know for sure
0: um yeah uh let's see uh so yeah there's a couple things to move into um one thing i thought was interesting is like uh and is that the uh killings of the kids especially they're almost entirely off screen it's very restrained and i think that makes it so this film uh, has aged pretty well. Um, just because I think watching kids killed for just sort of our pleasure will feel pretty bad uh, at this point. <laughs> well, I uh, feel
1: like, I mean, has it ever been... Has it been ever been okay to... No, socially... no. But
0: I, I, I wonder if in, like, the 70s, if it would have been more okay. Like, they could have... They probably... I don't know. Maybe they could have gotten away with going a little more balls to the well, wall. I, I feel um, like
1: it would be more likely to happen today than then. I mean...
0: All right. All right. Well, fair enough. I think it was a smart move, regardless, to not show uh, the kids dying in very graphic fashion. A lot of the Argento films, the Martino films, we see um, uh, pretty graphic deaths. Mm-hmm. Most deaths occur on screen. Um, so it's like we see like a guy's face smashing into a train uh we see throats being uh cut that sort right. of thing pretty regularly but in this one they actually cut away quite regular uh, quite commonly from uh the kids being killed Yeah, and the I, two I, most brutal scenes involved adults actually
1: right yeah no i i agree with you i, I i'm kind of curious if that, this also has to do with maybe what the ultimate uh or what the ultimate purpose of this movie or not purpose but uh, what was the message that um the director wanted to impart, in, in the sense that the other Jello films we watched, that's the enjoyment of it. It's you know seeing right. the seeing the deaths, seeing the murders. That's part of the enjoyment. It's, it's the same thing as you know like slashers. It's like that's the right, right. fun part. In this one, uh, the the only one, the only enjoyable death <laughs> is
0: is the last one. Oh, and how enjoyable is it? And, and it, it's so <laughs> enjoyable,
1: but you know, uh, all the other death—I mean, the, the, other, the other graphic death—is not enjoyable at all. It's actually pretty, uh, you know, right? It, it, it's pretty gruesome. Yeah, and, it's very uh, grim and, and grim. Yeah, more than gruesome it's grim. It's cruel. It just doesn't feel good. And then the children—I mean, you know—beyond, I mean, beyond the taste of having shown you know killing kids. Which, to be honest, I think you can still make it fun. But like that, <laughs> I don't think that was the point. Uh, the point in, in this film was not, oh, let's watch you know, a bunch of people being slashed off. It was, uh, oh, let's look at this town react on the atrocities that are happening.
0: Right, right. So it's interested in different things. I mean, like you think about Button and Blackface, which I think is almost just the purest distillation of like, this film looks gorgeous and everyone looks gorgeous and we're going to watch them get killed off. And that is the point to the movie. Um, and it's less interested in uh social commentary and that sort of thing. Um, Excuse yeah. Me. Meanwhile, um, uh, my host is, uh, dying from choking on water. Don't worry. He does not have COVID as far as I know, at least. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, let's see. So we can jump into, uh, Maybe uh, let's let's get into some of the central themes, like, since I think that's probably the most interesting thing about the film. Um, we, later, we can talk about the cast and maybe some of the scene highlights, um, and that sort of thing. Um, so, you were saying earlier that to you, um, sort of like the uh, the the main theme, at least, is less like the the Catholicism or anti-Catholicism, and more um, sort of like the group. Mentality and yeah. and like the ignorance towards that. Uh, am, am I summing that up well? Much better than how I said it. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, what did you have any thoughts on there? Any like specific examples uh, you wanted to bring up as far as that stuff goes? Well, I mean, like, so
1: in many areas you do see everyone sort of praying together. Whether it's the children in the uh, in the first scenes where that you see them whether it's the, uh, or, you know, all the scenes where, you know, the funeral scenes, et cetera. But, uh, uh, another area is, uh, the, I forget the name of the character, but the witch, you know, like she's captured.
0: Marchiara.
1: Marchiara. Yeah. She's caught. She's, she's captured on after she's freed because, you know, she was innocent. Uh, yeah. I mean, like she did voodoo, quote unquote voodoo magic on, uh, on the children. But I mean, obviously that's not real. So they couldn't keep her in prison for that. Um, The town folks didn't give a shit. So as she's coming out, everyone's spitting, spitting to their side as, uh, as she walks by like all the women. And then, you know, you got the man brutally killing her. And once she is, or not killing her, but brutally beating her. And as she's dying by the, the, the freeway, no one stops to help her out.
0: Right, right. It's very sad.
1: It's, yeah. it's extremely sad. But, yeah. but also it's that, that mentality. No one felt bad about it. Another example would be, you know, when uh, you, you know, they, they first think that it was the other crazy dude or the other guy with some sort of uh, mental disability. Um, the entire town just wants to like, right out, lynch him, even though, once again, he had a very solid alibi and he was not guilty of the
0: killing he was just doing a little blackmail i mean the guy should have stayed in prison for for that but <laughs> yeah but yeah, i mean he was guilty for a much less crime
1: that's exactly. that is the point yeah i mean either way it's like it's a very it's a, it's a mob mentality and you know you add to that the uh the and i mean and the on the police the police basically in their local police there they basically are like yeah, no, we don't want to, you know, cause too much revolt here because if not, right. we're just literally going to have like a massacre.
0: Right, right. No, I mean, you make some really good points there. Uh, let's. Uh, we, I think the Machiara stuff we can definitely dive pretty deep into that. Um, but I think it's a good point. Uh, both of those characters are kind of marginalized characters on the sort mm-hmm. of uh, edges of society. Uh, both the. Uh, mentally handicapped person uh they keep using the word retarded which probably hasn't aged super well um and uh, uh and uh, uh Marchiara who is kind of like a shaman one thing that i thought was interesting is yeah like you said the detectives are very aware of this and trying to like just control um the local response there's like a moment where the outside investigator who i thinks from rome or something like that or milan um realizes that Marchiara is like innocent and everyone agrees she's innocent and he's like, it, but the local guy wants to hold on to her. And he has a hard time like vocalizing why that is. But we see immediately after she's released why that is. Because he knows that the locals uh, are not going to see her as innocent uh, in the same way that like the investigators are. Right. Um, so I think, uh, but he's unable... So in some ways it frames it as like the Rome or Milan, the outside investigators sort of ignorance to, towards how they're going to react um, is partially to blame as far as like what ends up happening to Machiara. Um,
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Which is kind of interesting. I mean, it's like a very... This is the sort of thing that I feel like I really picked up on the second time, just knowing exactly where the plot is going and and just uh, why they're showing stuff in certain ways. Um, So I thought that was very um, sort of rich for analysis uh, Mm -hmm. to some extent.
1: No, definitely. I mean, in in a way... You know this this town of extremely ignorant and superstitious folks. Like it functions okay within itself. Everyone is safe within itself as long as you don't have outsiders, you know, poking poking into it. But I mean, and I mean, you you could you could almost say that about almost many rural or. Dangerous uh, culture. Not. I don't want to say that a culture is danger. They can be dangerous, but I mean, superstitious cultures that, you know, if, if hey, if everyone you know stays away, probably things can function easily. But as soon as you know you try to go in and fix something or do something about it, then you know shit breaks loose. And I mean, th- there is a comment in that too, if you will.
0: Yeah. That's Cannibal Holocaust right there. Correct. Yeah. Inyaki's favorite movie. Just kidding. <laughs>
1: um, this one had a, a little bit less... Like I, At the beginning, I almost thought it was going to have like some animal cruelty, too. With the little boy and the, the slingshot on the lizard.
0: Oh. Uh, yeah. I I, think I, he misses. Any... Yeah, yeah. Okay. So no, no actual animal cruelty. I mean, Just... Uh, just the the Donald, uh, Donald Duck. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is funny how it's Donald Duck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, no one Not calls nuts. it that either. It's like, oh, the duck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, the other thing with Machiara is, like, Machiara thinks she's guilty. Like, she was trying to, to mess with the boys, with Voodoo. Yeah, she wanted uh, yeah. to kill them yeah yeah and uh the villagers agree with her they think she's guilty it's just that the people the officers know better (laughs) that she's not guilty so it is kind of interesting uh just to see that the way that manifests and i think you put it really well um just when she is released uh i like how you see the woman spit and the men just kind of ignore her at first and you see their them kind of eye her and then you realize what's going on when they get to that uh is that is it a churchyard or a cemetery where they think um, it's a cemetery Okay, where they do that, and uh, let's talk about that scene because I think that scene's uh, definitely pretty interesting. Uh, they, uh, I know Tarantino is a big fan of uh, Fulci, uh, especially mm-hmm. The Beyond, um, and you know I was getting big uh, Reservoir Dogs vibes off of this, uh, just in the way that they're using like some of these like off, like, like you have the plot going in this really dark way, but you have these like lighter pop music, uh, playing in the background. Right. And I think, I think it's plays, I think it's super effective. Like, I think it works really, really well. I thought it worked, uh, fantastic, uh, for the scene, uh, where it's just sort of playing over. So they're using it as a way. So people aren't going to hear what's going on. And the scene is just very, very brutal. Like the whipping and, uh, like her hand gets caught in the rail. Um, it and i think it works uh i don't know i think it captures it really well and then you talked earlier about how she sort of just crawls up to the highway and we see these families just drive by we see kids we see whole families Mm -hmm. just driving somewhere else um and it's unclear if they actually see her or not but there's one family they they do like they
1: they see like there's a man who sees her and you think he's gonna do something and he's like and then he just continues driving
0: right right and it, it it's a very cynical but perhaps realistic view of uh of society and these people are not part of the village they're not part of the society they're probably just passing through so that speaks more to the society at large those, those people aren't probably don't believe the same superstitions that the local villagers do necessarily right um
1: yeah no i i agree and, and i mean besides the chil- children the the other two victims 'Cause I mean who knows what hap- what ended up happening with the other, you know, mentally disabled individual. But like the, the only like like the victims in this movie are are folks who are marginalized already. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, the, the the movie definitely puts it as, you know, they're being victims because because they're different, because they're marginalized, uh they're viewed as the evil. Like people are very quick to assume yes they were the killers
0: exactly yeah um, what did you think of the scene uh, the Marchara getting uh, her, her dad yeah I know it, I, I completely agree with what you said I, I did uh, write down
1: Reservoir Dogs and myself too there you um, go. Uh, although I, yeah I'm, I'm curious if uh, Tarantino got inspiration from this film or if it was from others I know that there's other scene.
0: I mean there's it's definitely possible it's not necessarily this alone but uh but yeah there there is certainly a dissonance uh
1: in in how grim and dark every like them beating her with you know sticks and chains while listening to seventies pop yep at, at the same time i mean the movie it's it the music is within it's within the movie's world um yeah and you know which also is similar that, that that's also another similarity with uh, reservoir dogs in the sense that like uh the, the the man turned the radio on and put the music out loud
0: mm-hmm. the part that reminded me the most of reservoir dogs on that scene is the part where the radio dj speaks mm-hmm. and then it switches to like that really uh like that really that female vocal pop song yeah, and uh, and we see the most brutal parts of it. Uh, well, we see her actually die uh, during that part. So, right, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, this is also a good opportunity to talk about uh, Florinda Bolkin, who is the actress there. Who is actually a Brazilian actress. She was in a bunch of um, Italian films around this time uh, too. Uh, how did you find her performance?
1: She's good. Quick question: uh, What language did you watch this?
0: Uh I saw it in uh English dub. What about you? Italian sub. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Um well we might have some slight differences in how we watched it um then. Uh yeah, I, I can't say it was the best dubbing job I've ever seen, so maybe the the sub was the better way to watch it. Um I, don't, I mean it's it's also dubbed though. Oh. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dubbed either way. I mean like and also Florender Bulken who we we're just talking about. She's just like Brazilian, so who knows how much uh, Italian she's actually speaking? Anyways, Uh. (laughs) maybe she's just screaming. Maybe she's just screaming uh, in Portuguese, and that um, (laughs) you know
1: it was dubbed in whatever language they needed it.
0: Yeah, could have been, could have been. Any thoughts about her, or or shall we keep moving? I
1: mean, she's she's good, but I I mean, her her role was just sort of playing the crazy lady of the town, you know? Yeah. Uh, The red herring. Well, red herring for sure. But I'm saying like, you know, she, she always just seemed disheveled and, you know, uh, hysterical. And yeah, I I guess it was kind of weird how the most calm you see her is when she's beaten to death.
0: Yeah. But, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, like, I, I think she gives a really good intense physical performance. She plays traumatized really well um in like the part where she goes like foaming in the mouth at the mm-hmm. police station uh yeah i mean i think she's quite effective in her role um, I was going
1: to say for a little bit she like had she been the killer or had she been really involved or had this movie been more about supernatural stuff as opposed to you know real life stuff um she would have reminded me of the uh, killer in Noroi not the killer, but uh, the 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 witch oh. in the
0: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, uh, in fact, this film does remind me a little bit of uh, some Asian horrors where they go out into like more of the rural, like mm-hmm. less out of the sitting setting. Well, like also, like Memories of Murder. Memories of Murder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Memories of Murder is very different, um, much more procedural. Um, but that film also does a really good job of transporting you to a certain place and time. It has a sort of similar sense of dread um, here, where you just know stuff is going bad, and you know that a kid will die at any moment. mm Hmm. Right. Um. Okay. Uh. Let's see. Uh. So. Yeah. Uh. I. I mean, the other interesting thing, and we mentioned this earlier, is that there's just no central protagonist or investigator in mm-hmm. this. Uh. In this film. Uh. And so it's kind of interesting. Um, I feel like it usually, when you have like a central character, you're just like always with them. It's something to fall back to. And here, it almost feels like they're passing off the baton a little bit. It like goes to the investigator a little bit, but you never like fully identify with him. And you're always just kind of a little aloof from all of the characters. Uh, Were you bothered by it at all or did you find it uh, fine?
1: Uh, It was fine. Uh, I mean, you know, if, if you're trying to follow a movie a uh, strict three-act process, maybe this will be difficult <laughs> because you know mm-hmm. you don't have a character who will evolve throughout the movie. But, I mean, uh, in a way, you could say that... Uh, I, mean, I mean, in here, I think the character is almost like the outsider's in general. Like, what is the outsider's point of view of the situation? Right, right. the, det- the detective is... The, the, the characters that stand out the most are the detective, the cop from Rome, uh, the journalist, and uh, the the girl from Milan.
0: Mm-hmm. I, th- yeah. th-
1: those are all the characters you can connect the most with.
0: Yeah. And of those characters, the only one that really you suspect of them that could be guilty is um, the woman from uh, Milan, Patrizia um played by Barbara Boucher um yeah how did you uh so let's talk about her why not uh so yeah she plays an outsider to the village she's there uh, one of the boys uh uh her his mom uh plays sort of like an assistant to her or like a helper maid um what did you think of her and her role I mean the the act the actress did a really good job uh, so was the dubbing
1: the italian dubbing i don't know about the english dubbing but i thought uh generally speaking it it, it did follow pretty well um what i think the the actress was portraying um the character herself uh she was weird she was weird man <laughs> she, she was uh i mean let, let's start with this she was a pedophile like outright a pedophile. Um, so that was weird. Um, you know, like that's not good. Uh, like that's another crime that this movie doesn't address. Uh, I was surprised to see a movie where the priest is not the pedophile and instead is, you know, someone else, although the priest happened to be the killer anyways. Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, um, I don't know. I mean, I I wouldn't consider her character being a good person. Uh, She was not at all trying to investigate why the kids were being killed. Uh Uh-huh. I think, you know, she was kind of a junkie trying to live in this town and having fun however she can, including almost having sex with a child.
0: (laughs) And and at least... uh... Yeah. <laughs> Being very nude around him. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, you know, a lot of the Polizioteski films in particular had a lot of, like, rich people that are just, like, terrible people and just, like, have a lot of money and just don't have anything to do with it and they're just, like, doing drugs and maybe robbing a bank for the shits. Uh, she almost reminds me of a character out of one of those films. Mm-hmm. Uh, those ki- characters are usually, like, the antagonist um but it's interesting that for here they they don't use her necessarily as the uh main antagonist although you're right there are some definitely uh problematic things about her character uh would not want to uh be friends with that character necessarily uh but uh uh she is a red herring uh so they use her more in that capacity right um in in this film uh so so you did find the actress to be uh good at portraying that sort of off-kilter role
1: yeah I mean she was like, highly effective I mean, you know like there was no way you could discount her as perhaps being the killer uh, and it's between the writing but also the way she acted uh, mm-hmm. like, the acting herself. Uh I mean and, and she was off-putting because on one hand you kind of want to sympathize with her because it, the, this rural town is kind of a shithole but on the other hand um She's a pedophile, so no, you do not want to sympathize with her.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay, let's move on to The Investigator, who is one of the few characters we know is definitely not guilty. Uh, Played by Tomas Millian, a Cuban actor. Um, And he plays Andrea Martelli, um, who we know him from Almost Human, which we covered A while back which is an extremely different role where he goes way over the top uh in doing it and extremely villainous uh in that role um how would you like him in uh in don't torture duckling
1: he's good i mean he's there he
0: yeah (laughs) Uh, i I mean his character is almost it's the most blah generic role isn't it yeah i mean by,
1: by the way he's a journalist right
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Did yeah. I describe him incorrectly?
1: I think you said detective. I just wanted to make sure. Oh, oh my, my fault, my fault. Yeah,
0: he's a journalist.
1: All right, yeah. No, he... I mean, he was there. He's asking questions. Uh, but yeah, no, there, there's very little to... to care about him. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. I mean... This is not really a character movie. I think yeah. the, the main character is the town... Right. I mean, I I will say one thing that's kind of interesting is that Fulci and the writers of this chose to have him solve the crime rather than the detectives, um, which, you know, I think uh, is an interesting choice. Um, I don't think this is a film that you're going to receive high praise of like certain institutions from. Uh, So I think that's another way that it sort of shows the uh, how the police are. Lacking and aren't the ones to actually solve the crime. I feel like isn't that like a theme
1: of every almost every movie that we watch is that the police are just there to yeah to move the plot along but not actually <laughs> do the job.
0: Yeah, the Italians were early on ACAB. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because you know, thinking about it. I don't know what would have stopped them from just making like the the uh, Andrea Martelli uh, character just the same as the the inspector from Rome. Seems like easy enough to just combine the two characters, but they just they made the choice to make them separate.
1: Well, I I and and this is so I mean this is stepping out of the movie and, and I'm going to repeat myself. Like I do think that I mean the filmmakers in Italy of of this era had a mist, uh, mistrust in the police like i think there is cuz this is a theme this is a something that we see it in other movies where it's not the police that want one, the ones uncovering the the mystery it's it's usually a journalist i mean the last uh the last giallo we watched um the one with the uh blind Four flies
0: oh huh? oh cat and nine tails yeah cat and nine
1: tails it was not the police who uncovered the the killer. It was, yeah. it, was it was a journalist, and you know I, I I do think that that's the that's sort of a, a main a main theme. It's either a journalist or a bystander or or someone else, and it's not the police. I think the police in Italy in this era were not people to be trusted because
0: either they were corrupt or they were inept. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a fair point. Uh, I would argue personally for Argento. I think he makes them not the protagonist, not cops just because I think he finds it less interesting, but I do think you're probably correct that I think most filmmakers are making that point, including Fulci here, like probably just not having a super high view of police and uh, the job they do in general um yeah okay uh so yeah let's uh let's get into um some of uh do you have anything else theme wise uh before we get into some of these scenes
1: i guess i guess the last uh part of the theme I'm, I'm going back to a little bit of the the whole town and the cult or not cult uh the mass well yeah yeah, the cult culture, if you will, is how um, and this is connected with the journalism is when the journal- journalist first talks to the priest, one thing that the priest mentioned is that because the folks there were so religious, the priest actually was able to get the uh, newspaper salespeople or the the, folks that, the the people who sell you know print media to stop selling certain media that was sinful. And then the journalist was like, "Oh wow!" But uh, that that so basically, you don't have free press here. And the priest is like, "What? What do you mean?" And he's like, "Never mind." You know, and and, and it's just like a very short exchange. But I, I would say again, it, it sort of falls into the like. The town itself was not through law, but through you know its own imposed rules was you know censoring itself because of religion
0: mm-hmm. and yeah yeah I, that's a good point yeah no i think that's legit for sure um anything else no that's it. Uh, okay all right uh so uh so the first Three boys, uh, because there are three boys killed um, while we were being misled by the voodoo stuff. Oh, quick question on that. Did you ever at any point think that there was some supernatural elements at work?
1: I thought. I thought about it. I considered it.
0: But uh, once once she was
1: caught and uh, once basically the, the cops were like, no, it's not her, I realized, no, this is not the type of movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, do you like it more because it's more in that sort of, like, grounded realism rather than, like, I don't know, some voodoo Suspiria shit?
1: Is that if, it, if it was some voodoo Suspiria shit, it would be a different movie.
0: Okay. So, it just depends. Gotcha. I, I mean, I, I like the choice that they made here to not make it, like, voodoo stuff. Um, okay. So, let's go. First kill. Um, so, there's a point of view sound design uh of this one there's a lot of point of view uh and we see like the boy get hit in the face um but it's all off screen um second death uh we is totally off screen um Mm -hmm. and that's like one where we're sort of tracking a woman in like this village really great shot love some of these shots where we just see like the whole village and it sort of like slowly zooms into a woman it reminds me a lot of just like 70s like how they like to use the zoom lens and stuff like that from afar um and then she discovers uh the drowning body probably not the most realistic realistic looking corpse for the drowned one but you know
1: well that's why they (laughs) needed to give you
0: the flashback to realize
1: oh okay that's the kid that that dummy's supposed to be
0: (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, the dummy guy uh the dummy guy may have got fired after that Uh, i don't know uh i think there's another dummy in it yeah that it's even well, well the final dummy i thought was a little better that did, one you, they...
1: did you, you really thought so okay <laughs> i mean we'll get
0: I there wonder... we'll get to that we'll get to that. yeah yeah i wonder how many dummies they built for that one uh if it's stanley Kubrick, they would have had at least like 200 of the same dummy being built um then the third one uh the third one i i like too that one's very suspenseful it's like during the there's like rain and we hear like the weed whacking and that's uh, i think francisco who's we ultimately find out is the shaman who's just sort of going through the woods and then uh they get strangled that's probably the most on-screen death we see but even that one is cut pretty short where we see just like a point of view where the person's getting strangled uh any thoughts on those three did you uh find them effective for what they were
1: yeah i mean for what they were i mean the, the first one is it, uh, yes uh, if you will for what they were I, I think you know this is the kind of movie that we didn't even need to see any of the uh, of the death I mean the, the th- of, of the actual killing although the third killing is just well done because the entire that entire scene is just uh, you know with the rain the whacking like the how disorienting it is and having you know a red herring driving through the rain like a maniac you know, all of that makes a that that's a good scene in general.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but I mean, you didn't need as long as you saw them dead. You didn't need to see the killing for for the plot. Uh, no, you don't. And you know, the first one, uh, the first the first killing, you know, it doesn't add or take away anything from the plot. The third one, I would say, it's good because of everything I already mentioned. And then the second one, I do like
0: it. The reveal uh mm-hmm. in the water okay i i like the shot before the reveal the the shot itself of the dummy it's is beautiful oh uh, no, yeah, yeah the non-dummy shot is beautiful yes yeah it is and then the dummy shot the shot itself is okay the dummy just doesn't look that good <laughs> in my view <laughs> yeah um
1: i guess i need to see it again
0: yeah yeah Uh, And then uh, the fourth one We already talked about uh, Where Machara gets beaten I'm just kind of rolling through the set pieces here Um, The fourth one is also off-screen Almost totally off-screen It just sort of cuts away uh, When the Barbara Boucher character Patricia uh, runs into that person And that's probably the point where we really suspect her Um, And then the last one uh, Which uh, we can jump into Now um, Is the finale uh, Where Uh that we finally uh, figure out that it's the priest. At some point, we think it's the priest's mom, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and he's uh, going up there uh, to kill. I guess his sister is that yeah. his sister. Okay. Yeah. So
1: so the mother had two kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One was normal and if not gifted, which is the priest, while the other one was dumb, mute. Um, as the movie puts it, not stupid, retarded.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and they, they, and they, they even say that if it wasn't for the priest who is very well respected, they would have kicked him out of the village.
1: Yeah. They would have kept kicked the mother out of the village. Yeah. 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 It's what, what one thing that's kind of interesting about, sorry, you, you didn't make that retarded comment, uh, the, the comment about them using the word retarded. Um, that was like the official non-offensive way of referring to the to people with mental right right disabilities right. back then, and yeah. that's why Except, someone even makes a point of like saying, "No, she's not stupid; she's retarded."
0: You know, yeah, yeah. Sort of making the same correction that we use now, just because "retarded" has become just a slur. So exactly, uh, I'm always curious
1: on when will a mental disability become a slur. <laughs>
0: Uh you're probably not wrong to be honest. Um
1: <laughs> Yeah, and we'll come up with another, you know, correct word until that will become a slur because, you know, society sucks.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um I mean, that's just kind of how language evolves and how people are jerks and assholes uh <laughs> to each other and uh use certain things. Anyways, let's get back to the finale, um which I think is I mean, personally, I love the finale um where they sort of hike up to the cave And, like, it's super sunny out, um, Mm -hmm. and, like, we just see the priest, and I think there's some just great shots. We see him struggle with um, both Andrea Martelli as well as Patrizia. On that beautiful Uh, cliff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, do they use that cliff. Um, I I personally really enjoy dummy deaths, even though I know they don't look realistic. And this might be the ultimate dummy death. Like, the, the ultimate dummy death. Because when the priest falls down... I think he hits, like, every single fucking (laughs) rock he possibly could and takes it, like, totally on the face. I know. Each time. (laughs) On the face. Um, And I'll tell you, I'm here for it. I I think it's fantastic. Um, And the way, like, it's cutting so we actually see his motivations and stuff like that, Um, I actually think it works really well, uh, personally. Um, If you can – I mean, obviously it's a dummy, so it doesn't look remotely realistic um but i uh i enjoy the hell out of it have... i it it reminds
1: me it reminds me of a uh a scene from the simpsons <laughs> to be honest uh where you know like Homer falls off a cliff, hits every pointy rock all the way through the bottom uh but unlike that that in here like a chunk of skin comes off the priest each time he hits a rock. It's pretty great. I wish the dummy had been better. Yeah. Uh, I I think today you could do this. If you were to remake one scene, leave everything the same, it's just, you know, like work with a little bit of CGI and a better dummy to, to make that more gruesome because it is satisfying. It's like, you know, fuck this priest. Like, yes, you feel bad for him because he also is, you know, has mental issues I mean the man is insane Um, and killed a bunch of children and he was about to kill you know his little sister yeah Uh, so yeah it is great it it is also great you know seeing him in his head in heaven playing with the kids as his face is getting pummeled by rocks from the cliff
0: yeah and they use some great slow mo to uh, show his face getting pummeled too. I I I I'm a big fan of the end. I think it's a fantastic, Andy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so you. It sounds like you're on board. You just uh, you just wish it was slightly slightly more modern, updated.
1: Yeah, I mean, screw it. Not maybe not even CGI, but just like done by you know the the, the great uh, special effects folks in the '80s in the from the US like the people who did special effects in for, Hey, Dawn of the dead. Like. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, yeah. What did you think, uh, of the motivations of the priest?
1: Uh, I mean, they're solid I mean, in the sense that like the guy, I mean this, if you will, this is probably the closest you can get to, you know, cause last year in the sense of the motivations, our, the the rationale is, is crazier almost it, it's uh, right like he, he views like this, the children as like oh yeah God will always forget kids for their sins so it's better to kill them now since they're already sinning than kill them than you know wait for them to go to hell because when I die I want to be with all the children because they're all my brothers it's I mean it's really creepy if you think about it
0: right and i mean it makes sense too in terms of like his point of view like Mm -hmm. you can understand his point of view as messed up as it is
1: like i mean had had he known better he would have done what you know the other priests do with uh altar boys which is uh clean them with their own uh with their own juices (laughs) damage from god
0: well (laughs) Well, we just went there, uh, and <laughs> that was your the- mom. Listens to this podcast. <laughs> she used to be a Catholic.
1: Um, <laughs> um, no, but but I mean, like, it is funny to watch this film today because I feel like what, one one area about this movie that I'm not gonna say it's, like it didn't age well, but I would say the impact is different. Is that you know there was a huge focus about you know how good this priest was because you know he loved the children and the children loved being with him and you know like i think the audience in the 1970s would be like oh yeah there's no there's no fucking way this really nice good looking young priest who is great with the community and more importantly extremely close with children would be guilty of anything there's no mm-hmm. way that a priest that is very close to children will be guilty that would that's probably the mindset of someone in the seventies. Well the mindset well, of me today is Ah oh, fuck that's I creepy. wonder how many Yeah, I was like that's really yeah. creepy. I wonder if he's raped anyone yet. You know? It, <laughs> yeah. I know it's right, fucked right. up, but I mean that's but we know now,
0: right? Right, yeah, I mean, yeah, the lens we see the priest now is certainly way more suspicious than it would be then. I will say, though, a quick defense of the naivety of uh, Italian uh, or just general audiences of the 1970s. A lot of these films did have priests as killers, so uh, in that sense, this film isn't quite so novel. I think it goes a little deeper than most of those other films in Mm. terms of, like, doing the priest as killer. But it wouldn't be totally shocking to see, like, priests and religion. A lot of these filmmakers uh, were young and pretty like left-leaning uh, during the time, too. So uh, I don't know. I mean, like you'll see a mix of stuff. It's not necessarily all um, what what you'd expect from, like I don't know, an older person's point of view or something like right. that. Right. But still, seeing
1: um, seeing, seeing a, an adult priest uh, being yeah. that close to children and playing a, among them is, in, to, in today's eyes, disturbing.
0: Yeah, One one thing I also wanted to point out in the finale that I thought was interesting too is how uh, when uh, the journalist is fighting with uh, the priest over uh, the girl uh, and seems to get the upper hand uh, it's interesting that the girl trusts her brother uh, who is about to kill her over the journalist and I thought that was interesting and also probably realistic and a little messed up too Um, so I like that little touch that they put there
1: yeah, it, I think it was really realistic. I mean, I, I thought, I mean, I, I wasn't. Sur- I mean, were you surprised by the girl acting that way, or were you like, "Oh, good"? <laughs> no, not, not no, good uh, no. Her. I
0: was. Uh, I was not surprised, but I thought it was a wise touch rather than her just like going into the arms of uh, of uh, the journalist. I thought. I thought it was. Uh, it rang. I was. I, I liked the detail that they put into that. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I mean, you could see that the the girl was, you know, she loved her brother. I mean, like when mm-hmm. the priest was holding her, she would like give him kisses on the cheek. Sorry. Right. But once again, another thing that in today's eye, in, in my 2021 eyes, is like uh, disturbing.
0: Um, yeah. But I mean, it also, I think, perfectly shows how uh, this is like such a betrayal of trust. Uh, this priest is like a super well-liked guy. Uh, and he's very well trusted, and just all of what he does is just like an extreme betrayal of trust to his sister and to the boys that he cares for.
1: Yeah. Do you think the mother knew that the priest was killing the other people too, the other kids?
0: Good question. It seemed like she was suspicious. I don't know if she one hundred percent knew or or like was like fifty percent there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't know. I mean, like that's a that's a tough situation. I don't I don't even know what. <laughs> what someone would do in that circumstance, where you know <laughs> where your own kid is doing these dirty deeds.
1: Well, I mean, like, and and also she's in even even harder place because if she were had, if she were to turn in the priest, she would also be, would become a pariah uh, of from the town. Yep. Like,
0: yep. The, the only the reason. Priest...
1: Yeah. Go ahead. Oh uh, yeah. The only reason she she was there was after all because. Her her son was such a beloved beloved priest.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, All right, well, anything more on the priest or the ending? Um, uh, A couple more points I wanted to go over before we wrap up. All right. Okay, um, so a uh, couple last things. I wanted to talk quickly about both the sort of look at the film as well as the soundtrack. Um, so let's start with the look of the film. Um, we've talked a little bit about it, sort of like the White Houses, uh, the good use of like sort of Zoom and stuff like that during it. Um, I actually really love how the film looks um, I think it has some really nice framing it does a lot of those things where they do uh, where they're showing like two things in shot and there's like good use of texture where something's in the foreground something's in the background um, so I, I'm, uh, I'm a fan of, of the way this looks uh, <laughs> and I think it really helps to just transport you and create like a really good sense of, of uh, uh, setting as well as atmosphere um, any thoughts on on uh, uh, the look, cinematography,
1: yeah. any of that stuff? Yeah, no, no 100%. Uh, I also think that uh, you did a, a very good job with, um, <clears throat> with camera angles, if you will. Uh, there were moments where, you know, that one thing this movie would do is actually jump from one character to another, and perhaps that's why you don't have a main character, Mm -hmm. uh for example you know you got the interrogation of the the first um man with you know mentally disabled man and each each cop that was uh questioning him you had the camera sort of like getting into the angle of where the cop is you know creating so so like switching from one dutch angle to another almost showing how disoriented the man being questioned is so it just Getting into his head through the uh, cinematography, you kind of have that. I mean, one, one of, to me, one of the m- most uh, like impressive scenes is when um, I forgot the name of the witch again, but. Uh,
0: uh, Machara.
1: Yeah, when Machara is is running is running from the police and the dogs, and you have the the scene where, as she's running. Uh, you hear the dogs getting louder and louder. Uh, but you it, It's staying mainly on her, the camera, and you hear the dogs, but you also hear the background noise of nature, which is weird because the dogs is a very aggressive sound, like the, the barking, but then the nature is sort of a calming sound. I, it ends with her being fully surrounded and the camera just spinning, you know, Showing how how lost she's feeling and feeling you're feeling as lost as she is and as disturbed as she is, so um, I do think that the camera use and the cinematography was really, really well done. And again, sort of putting you in both viewing these grand open spaces, but then being really enclosed by the framing when mm-hmm. it
0: needs to. Yeah, yeah, very claustrophobic in some of the interior scenes for sure. Or,
1: or in uh, this case, or exterior in the in the in the dog chasing.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, true, true. I I also had in my notes. I don't even think I was going to get to it. Uh, that I like the look of the dog stuff. Like some great just sort of point of view and it like captures that kinetic energy really well. So, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um yeah, it does a good job with uh uh also some of like the voyeuristic angles and stuff like that, too um like the first guy that is the initial red herring uh he's like a peeping tom um so and so we have like the kids watching the peeping tom um mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting um uh, not something that's necessarily explored uh for the entirety of the film but uh something that i noted at least um yeah what what about the uh music the music here was done by uh riz ortolani uh who uh, is very prolific, uh, known for a lot of films too. Probably his most famous soundtrack is uh, *Cannibal Holocaust*. Um, so, uh, what do you think of the score?
1: I thought it was good. Uh, there were moments where I was a little bit too on the nose, but uh, generally speaking, it was a uh, it was a good score. Uh, the I mean, the, the music was well also well edited i'm not sure if that was part of the score or part of the sound design but uh um it, it did a good job at both having that calm feeling with the with dread that the town itself provided
0: right other than the one scene with marchara it seemed like it kind of had two sort of basic tones one was sort of like A jazzier tone to it uh, and another one was like more of like this very uh, dissonant creepy stuff that played especially uh, at least what I'm remembering during some of the voodoo scenes um, Mm -hmm. that I remember. Um, I like it too I don't know if it's my favorite Giallo soundtrack Uh, it's the uh, Italian soundtrack space is is loaded with all stars I mean you're competing with people like uh, Morconi and stuff like that so I think this is a good one Uh, it's probably not the favorite of uh, the films we've talked about so far, though,
1: what? what I'm I'm curious about that, uh, like how, because Italy produced a shit ton of movies. I mean, we, we talked about Puzetsky's, uh, Giallo's, uh, There's been you know spaghetti western and other genres, and I'm very curious on how the fuck did they get so many good uh, composers? Because uh, you know, like a lot of a lot of those movies. <laughs> Like, they're like we, B movies. They're B movies. I mean, we're talking about like we're talking about you know, I mean, I haven't seen a You've seen a lot, a shit ton more than I have, right? I've only seen the ones that are we've been talking about, and maybe a, a handful more, but um, the, but I mean, the majority of the register like registrar of films is, but they're bad movies, but their soundtracks are like famous even today like you know Mm -hmm. even those like gladiator italian movies which apparently was like the worst genre
0: of that era uh, (laughs) yeah i'm not a fan of this
1: (laughs) amazing scores
0: yeah yeah no it's true i mean they they just have a stacked lineup i mean you also think about it uh too i mean i think some of it is just chance or maybe just like the italian music industry is super strong because like someone like marconi is scoring like how many fucking—I'm going to look up right now how many uh, scores Morricone is credited for. But it's like these people aren't don't necessarily need to be involved in the film day to day, so they can just do a ton. I mean, like, Ennio Morricone, I mean, some of these are probably, like, he contributed just a little bit. But he has 521 credits to his name on IMDb. So, I mean, like, they could use—like, uh, they, they could crank out stuff. <laughs> and they could probably reuse similar themes and stuff like that for other films so uh but yeah you're right these Italian films punch way above their weight uh in soundtracks in particular mm-hmm. um, and i think it really helps uh to set these films apart as well um so yeah i mean i think the soundtrack for an American film would be like oh yeah this is a great soundtrack but for an Italian film we're just like eh, yeah it's good uh, <laughs> just just because uh, you know it's their soundtrack lineup is stacked um, okay, uh, any last things you wanted to talk about before who won the movie?
1: Um, no, I think, uh, I think I'm think i ready. Okay,
0: yeah. Well, who won the movie? I would say uh,
1: the screenwriter.
0: <laughs> okay, let me look up the screenwriter so we can properly credit them uh, for this.
1: I mean, between the screenwriting and directing, I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, would you agree if I said that, like, this one of the big strengths of this is just like the characterizations and like uh, sort of social commentary to it?
1: Yeah. Which is where okay. why I'm I. I'm not sure if it's the director or the screenwriter, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Fulci directed and wrote, and uh, there were two other writers: Roberto Gianvetti, Fitti and John Franco uh, Clarici, so those uh, three. There we go. All right. Well, I am going to give it to Fulci here too. Um, yeah, I mean, this film, I think it's, I think it's good, I, and I think it really is a different giallo. So if if you ever binge watch giallos, which I know you do not, uh, Indyaki, this one's a nice one to have in there. Uh to break it up and just show you that like the genre is more than just like black gloves um and stylish uh slangs uh argento bava style and there's more to the genre and sometimes these films have uh more things to say uh than uh than just to have you ha- show a very entertaining ninety minutes um, <laughs> <clears throat> so uh yeah, um rating I give this an eight. Alright, yeah, so pretty strong. Um, yeah. f- for me, uh, I almost give it an 8. Uh, I'm, I'm somewhere between an 8 or a 9. Uh, I, I think I'm going to give it a 9, just because I think uh, I, I just really liked it this time. Um, the first watch, I think I gave it a 7. So um, I'm. Uh, it's definitely improved a fair bit in my uh, thing. I think it's one of the most uh, emotional jellos. I think mm-hmm. for the most part, you don't really care about characters and stuff like that. I think it has stuff to say. Um, and you know, frankly, I just don't have a ton of complaints about this film. I think it just mainly works.
1: Yeah, it's it's fascinating how this movie film uh, this, this this movie works uh, without having you know a main character or someone to hang on to. Like normally, normally, I would say that a good movie has to have not only a good plot, but like a character you sympathize with, and. Um, it's fascinating that this one doesn't have a character, uh, like it's all a, a solid character that you can sympathize with, yet you're still, um, you're still enjoying it.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, the closest thing we have is uh, the journalist character and he's kind of the blandest character in the whole thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, had he been more interesting, I might've given the movie a nine, but I mean, right. Like he was, Yes. Yeah. you know, I mean, the actor is good, but he,
0: the character was, I I think maybe that just shows you that like the mystery aspects of this work really well. You Mm -hmm. just really want to know what is behind this. Um, Like what is the mystery behind the the film? Um, So in that sense, uh, you're not like, oh, what's this guy going to do or whatever. It's more, you, you, you are very curious where the film goes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that concludes this episode of Film to Film. Do you know what we're watching next, Inyaki? Not
1: yet. It's a mystery.
0: Okay. Mystery. Not even Inyaki knows right now. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, you can send us an email at zafilmtofilm at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at zafilmtofilm. Um, yeah. Uh, let us know uh, any thoughts, feedback, suggestions, whatever. Love to hear from you. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Or wherever you rate your podcast. And uh, we will see you all next time. See you next time.